Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. You know what I mean? It just doesn't compute, you know? The law is the law. Peter, this is in our hands. I mean, it really is. People were there. We will continue to raise our voices. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Good morning and welcome to Monday's Opinion Line on 96FM. This is Fiona Corcoran in for PJ Coogan for the next two weeks. Isn't PJ very lucky he took a great time to take his holidays? The weather has just been unbelievable. Were you out and about yourself over the weekend? I went down to uh, the Warren in Ross Carberry on Saturday and I'm just saying here to Wayne Hilton that I did put loads of sun cream on me, factor 30 all the way, but I still managed to burn in places. So if you are out and about over the next few days, make sure to lather up on that sun cream. Uh, now, coming up on the show today, we have a very busy show today and I'll be speaking to someone about this morning's breaking news that 200 cervical samples are expiring due to capacity issues. It must be terrible to be affected by this and to find yourself in this situation. Uh, also, I'll be speaking to a Cork actress who's landed a role in the popular TV series called The Midwife. And do you suffer from imposter syndrome or is a lack of self-belief holding you back? We'll hear from a Cork woman who has advice on how to overcome these challenges. And if you want to contact us at any stage, please do so. Now, over the weekend, the number of people testing positive for COVID-19 broke the 1,000 mark here in Ireland with 1,377 confirmed cases on Saturday. And speaking here in Cork on Saturday, the Taoiseach Michal Martin said the rising number of cases is very serious and the Delta variant will cause the numbers to continue to grow. Joining me now is consultant in emergency medicine, Dr Chris Luke, who's been tracking the trends of COVID-19 since the start of the pandemic. Good morning, Dr Luke. Good morning, Fiona. Uh, this rise in numbers, do we really need to be concerned here in general as, a public, as the public? Do we need to be concerned about this rise in, in numbers? Well, I suppose the, uh, yes is the is is short answer, but I, I, I think the, probably the better word is, is vigilant. Uh, you know, we, we, we really need to be vigilant uh, about the, the, the likelihood of different variants coming at us over the coming months and indeed years, because 
this kind of pandemic is, is not a, a quick fix. It's, it, you know, you know I, I must say I, I thought at the beginning of the pandemic that, that there, was, there was echoes of the First World War and, and people may remember that, you know, the populations on both sides of the English Channel thought that the, the First World War would be over by Christmas, you know, that it would just take a few months and in fact it went on and on and on. And I, I, I suspect that the pandemic is going to be a bit like that. I, I think we're looking at two, three, four years. But having said that, you know, we will adapt more and more to, to the threat. And, uh, of course, coronavirus will be with us for the foreseeable. So we're just going to have to learn to live with it. So the word I would use would be vigilant. So if you say four to five years, um, does that mean that we could be potentially looking at restrictions for the next three or four years? Well, I, I, I suspect that the restrictions will be greatly eased uh, mm. over the coming months. And I, I don't think there'll be such a need for restrictions once the vaccination levels hit 85 to 90 percent because that's the kind of holy grail of herd immunity or you know around about 85 90 percent plus i think at that stage we will make political decisions <clears throat> that we can accommodate the level of, of underlying I- infection we'll uh, probably learn to accept that there are going to be a certain number of deaths from coronavirus every year going forward just as there is with the the annual flu mm-hmm. and i think a political decision will be or political consensus will be reached and we'll, we'll you know we'll, we'll go forward that way so vaccinations really are the key to getting out of this at the minute well vaccinations along with the other public health measures like social distancing and, and masks and, and and of course hygiene uh, and so forth and, and i think we will need to be much more vigilant with our personal hygiene you know keeping our distance washing our hands and, and all that kind of stuff for the for the foreseeable because they of course those measures do protect us from from flu and food poisoning and all, and all the other diseases that put the, the health service uh, you know under pressure I suppose we're all going to be looking at uh, the impacts over in the UK of their lifting of restrictions. Today is their so-called Freedom Day. And I suppose we're going to be looking with interest as to what's going on over there over the next couple of weeks and how that uh, plans out. Do you think from your own personal opinion that this is a wise move that, uh, that they're doing over there, that they're lifting all of the restrictions today? Well, I mean, I have to say, I'm, 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 I, I'm looking with some, some curiosity and, and nervousness at, at, at what they're doing because the difficulty there is, is politics, and you know, politics, as I like to, to, to describe it, is, is anger management at uh, the, the population level. In other words, you're trying to uh, channel or restrain or contain, you know, growing levels of resentment uh, amongst the population, particularly those, understandably, who are employers who are who are bereft and are, are facing closure and bankruptcy. Uh, so there's a very difficult, you know, balance to be struck between, you know, closures, restrictions, and and, and freedom of movement. So I, I must say, for for me, the difficulty in the UK is the stop-start uh, leadership, you know, politically. I mean, it's, it's just do this, don't do this. You know, I mean, we, we saw that being. M- to the beginning but Mm. it continues and it's very you know uncertain leadership is is a disaster for public health Do you think that um, you know going forward now I know there's been a lot of focus on case numbers but do you think it's more important now just to really focus on the number of hospitalizations that we have and the number of deaths well, I, I do think that it's possible to be somewhat reassured by the fact that vaccination and the, the other measures have reduced the, the likely severity of, of the disease if people get it. And I, I, I am a little bit reassured, I'm more than a little bit reassured of the fact that we're down to around about you know, 22, 23, 24 patients in intensive care mm-hmm. in the Republic. Uh, and you know, we're, we're, we have less than 100 
confirmed cases, you know, that have been admitted to hospital in the last week or so. But it, it doesn't mean that we, we can, you know, no longer be vigilant. We, we, we have to be vigilant for the foreseeable. But as I say, I, I do think we're going to uh, con- reach a consensus where we accept that the number of deaths and the number of admissions and the number of ICU cases are, are part of the metric, both politically and in terms of public health. And what about hospital staff, particularly the staff here in Cork? Are they concerned about another surge in hospital numbers? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that, that's a particular concern uh, I, I would have. I, I mean, I have a, a particular interest in, in burnout uh, and, and, and staff recruitment. And, you know, we, 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 we saw that the NHS had a shortage of 10,000 doctors, you know, in, at the end of 2019. We know about our 700 consultant vacancies on, on this side of the Irish Sea. Uh, and, you know, we are hugely short of staff on both sides of, of, of the Irish Sea. So I, I'm, I'm very concerned that after 16-odd months or so of battling with the, the enormous pressures that have been applied to the health service uh, in, in the UK and in Ireland, that there's a huge level of, of burnout and anxiety and, and stress. And, you know, we, we hear a lot of talk, and I'm reading a lot in the medical and lay press, about staff, nursing, medical and other staff uh, who are, you know, in, uh, intending to leave that the health service are intending to, to move down under or to Canada or whatever. Mm. So, you know, that has got to be a concern. And I really do hope that the population for a start and our political leaders and, and so forth re- remember that, that, that the staff of the health service are its most important asset and they have to be absolutely cherished. And their emotional well-being is as important as their physical well-being. Do you think that people are a little bit confused as to what to do at the minute? Because we got this whole message about vaccinations and that once we're vaccinated, we can nearly do whatever we want. But we are hearing stories of people who have been vaccinated and they do end up getting COVID and they do end up getting quite sick. And I know later on in the show, we will be speaking to a man who he only had his first vaccine. He was waiting for his second vaccine and he ended up getting COVID. But, um, you know, so do people need to have their vaccinations and still adhere to the guidelines of social distancing and face mask? wearing very much so. I mean, I, I think I suspect that everybody in Cork and in the Republic has heard of tragic stories of somebody, particularly the elderly, who've had, who, who've just had their even their second vaccine dose, and within a week or so, they, they've got the disease and in fact have mm. succumbed. And so, it's very important to go back to basics and to remember that no vaccine, no vaccine, none of the vaccines that we've been using for decades and no vaccine against COVID is 100%. There is a deficiency, a deficit, a shortfall of 10 to 20%, you know, just roughly speaking in all the vaccines, which means that 20, up to 20% of people receiving every vaccine or any vaccine will not have an immune response. They will not generate the antibodies or the T-cell response that they need to and they will still get the disease. But in terms of the population, the more people get the vaccine, the, the, the milder the disease will be, the less it is transmitted. Uh, and so, so vaccines do remember, remain, you know, the absolute primary key to getting us out of this mess. And then I suppose then a message for the public. I know you were talking before about, you know, you have this great dream that uh, we'll try and keep our emergency departments as free as possible for serious cases just by taking personal responsibility for our own health and well-being. Well, you know, Fiona, I've been banging on in, in, locally uh, for, for, for 20 years and, mm. and longer about the overcrowding in our emergency departments and, and the, you know, the, the fact that it's not just an unpleasant, uh, but that it's actually toxic and, you know, 
we have calculated that dozens of people die avoidably in our overcrowded emergency departments because their diagnosis is delayed, because their treatment is delayed, because they're not spotted in the crowd. So, you know, overcrowding is a very, very real and very, very continuing problem. And I was a, a really uh, dismayed to read reports from, from, from Belfast and from elsewhere that the numbers attending our emergency departments in the last four, four weeks have been higher than ever. So uh, there is clearly a, a pent-up demand uh, and clearly post-pandemic or post the, the, the anxiety about, about COVID, you know, there's going to be a, a huge surge of people coming to our emergency department. So mm. I would, again, my, my great dream is that, that, that the, the whole idea of self-care, the sort of stuff that grandparents, grandmothers particularly were, were, were familiar with, you know, 20, 30 years ago, will, will, have a, will, will, will become fashionable again and people will start wondering how to, to mind themselves and, and you know, remember that the vast majority of, of ailments, coughs, colds and, and even flu are self, self-limiting and, and, and people should try and stay away from the emergency departments if they can uh, at all, uh, you know, by arranging a visit with their GP in due course or perhaps, pre- you know, by preventively, you know, uh, seeing the doctor or, and also having enough, you know, first aid or immediate medical uh, medication in, in their kitchen cupboards. I mean, it's, 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 it's really very important to have, you know, the wherewithal at home always to treat minor ailments and minor injuries so that at the very least you can go to the health service, you know, within office hours, as it were, because, you know, I keep hearing stories still of people waiting 6, 10, uh, 12 hours in our local, in the city emergency departments over the weekends, you know, with relatively minor injuries and ailments. And again, that's that's a terrible experience for anybody and at all costs to be avoided. Brilliant, Chris. Listen, thanks so much. That was Dr. Chris Luke um, talking to us there about the the current uh, situation with regards to COVID nineteen here in Ireland. Can we just talk? The opinion line with PJ Coogan. Call us now eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six on Courts ninety six FM. Welcome back. This is Fiona Corcoran sitting in for PJ Coogan on today's opinion line. And if you want to get in touch with us on anything that we're talking about today, the text or WhatsApp is 0833 96 96 96 or you can email opinion at 96fm.ie. Now, last week, PJ spoke to Cork Instagrammer Charlene Corkery, whose Instagram account, Box of Kindness, was hacked. She was tricked into handing over her password to a scammer. And she's joining me now with an update on how things have been going. Good morning, Charlene. Morning, how are you? I'm very well, I'm very well. Thanks for joining me this morning. So Charlene, you don't have your original page back, but you have been building your followers again. Um, no, my original page um, is is gone. Um, however, though, this time last week, I was at zero because I had nothing um, and was advised to start up a new page because mm. everything had been deleted between contents and details and what not. Yeah. So I, I will say I'm in much, a much better form today than I was in Dingle last Monday. <laughs> so that's a plus. I have to look on the bright side, you know. Um, but I, I, the main thing here this morning is I'm absolutely buzzing that this hacker that took over my account and um, managed to, for all of last week up until Friday evening until I got a call from the head of communications from Facebook, Kelly, thank yeah. you so much. Um, to be honest, because there was so media, so much media, sorry, surrounding Box of Kindness and what yeah. had happened. Um, and to be honest, you're driving at home that, to be honest, I don't care if someone has 100 followers mm. or 400,000 followers. We are all irrelevant. 
like as in it, it's our Absolutely, business, you know, yeah. we're all grafting, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I would hate for anyone, again, um, no matter what the quantity of their followers, to be hacked because it's actually heartbreaking. Mm. Um, so obviously I can't keep on going on about last week because I want to move forward and drive my business on because that's my main focus here. Um, and your your own page now, you set up an, another Box of Kindness I page. Am, and so we started last Monday. Yeah. And we're nearly at 9,000 followers. So, wow. Excellent. Brilliant. Thank you so much to every single person that has drove us on this week. Seriously, because it's easier sometimes to lie down and be like, oh my God, yeah. I have to start again. You know, I appreciate it so, so much. Um, and the amount of people that have, you know, like put their hand out and, you know, offered me advice. And, you know, I was actually just like earlier this morning on to Lisa Roberts from Verso Fashions. I suppose mm-hmm. a lot of people in in Cork would know Lisa. Yeah. And, you know, in fairness to her, like, you know, I can see why she's successful mm-hmm. because just the little pointers that she's given me, the smart, total basics of, you know what, forget King Sanchez and drive on your business and move forward. Like that's going to stick with me. It's given me drive to, because I suppose you can lack motivation from the week I had. Yeah. You know, I'm not promoting my business at all last week because how could I? You know, it's it was all a bit grim. But um, thank you, Lisa. <laughs> She's just one of them. But it just I go- was only on to her. Doesn't it just um, go to show how kind people are? And I mean, like, you know, your own page is Box of Kindness, but people now are returning that and, uh, you know, showing like you all the kindness that they can. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, the the concept of your own Box of Kindness is, like, literally, you know, I don't think we've ever got someone, you know, that cried that got a Box of Kindness. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we do, you know, we play a little part each day in shipping boxes out, whether they're to staff in corporates or one-to-one, it could be someone in the CUH, and we've done it, like, in yeah. leukemia wards or CUMH, people are getting these boxes, and they're brightening up their day. A little note from someone. And I'm really going to, I'm going to make it my business to to keep that out there. And I suppose say a prayer for King Sanchez, because he's not in a good place, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it, it, it's just... Um, I'm so grateful that we no longer have to see King Sanchez online, though. Mm. He's disabled. But Brilliant. Because, you know, that's huge. You know, that he well, I suppose it just goes to, to show as well that if you do put up the fight and uh, and do, you know, make the complaints that um, you are being listened to as well and that if people have been hacked or if they're going through something similar to what you went through, that, you know, just don't take it lying down. Just, you know, speak up. Well, well to, to be honest, Fiona, like at the end of the day, you know... Um, you know, we kept on, you know, going on about 14,000 followers. You know, that isn't that. I have mm. put everything into this business. I'm not going to lie down. I'm mm. not. Like, it, 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 it broke my heart last week to, to literally start from zero. And only for me making a little bit of noise and for people helping me. That's the main thing. I can't do this on my own. If people don't share a box of kindness, if they don't tell people what's going on, mm. I'm one person. I am nothing. Like, as in, I, I, I can't do that on my own. And even for you having me on, thank you, because... You're very I, welcome. <laughs> you know, I don't want to get emotional this morning because I have a job to do. <laughs> you know, just, but I, I, I truly, like, I'm so grateful yeah. that people listen because you know yourself, like, you know, it's, it's like a domino. Mm. You know, a few people start helping, then, you know, more start helping. And, 
you know, this King Sanchez got disabled on Saturday morning. That is job done. You know, okay, I'll build my following. There's no problem. You know, I'll, I'll work and we'll get there again. You know, we're just, I suppose, we miss our swipe up for the website, you know. Yeah. That, you know, so we'll get there. We, we will, you know, and I'm very grateful. Um, and what was your original following? How many people did you have originally? Um, it was just over 14K. Okay. Yeah, you know, so, um, no, to be honest, I was kind of thinking, you know, it took, like, we're a year old, actually, this week. Right, so, okay. Um, Happy anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was just going to say, come here, there'll be no birthday cake. <laughs> <laughs> or we might get a King Sanchez birthday cake to celebrate. Yeah, I don't know. But, uh, so, uh, it's it, it, it just a case where, you know, you know, when you're only, you know, new in business, you know, mm. it's only a year. We knew that people were buying our boxes and referring us. And, and thank you so much because we have built such a lovely community that have come back. But obviously others are not aware still that Box of Kindness has been hacked. Mm. But it's a case where, you know, you, I, I've just kind of got a little bit more faith going. People actually do know what Box of Kindness is about. Because, you know, I mean... When you're a relatively new business, you don't, you, you know, you kind of, we plugged it and we promoted mm. it and, you know, influencers and um, got on board and shared, you know, um, promoted our gifts and stuff. But, you know, in fairness, this week, we we do realise that, you know, we are a business that people like and, um, you know, we're going to carry that with us. So thank you. And if people want to follow you on Instagram, is it just Box of Kindness or what's your... your... So we've obviously had to change the handle. So it's box underscore of kindness. Box underscore of kindness. Okay. For our website. But um, I'm plugging it away, but of course I have to because, I mean, if I don't have passion for my own business, then nobody else will, you know. But um, I appreciate you having me back on um, again this morning just to highlight um, what went down but please for you know any business or any mm-hmm. person that has Instagram anyone is open to being hacked and I felt very um, silly last week I really did you know I blamed myself so yeah. just make sure that you know the two step um, the two step identification is set up um, and a big shout out to Ronan Murphy from Smart Tech because he is um, I have everything set up now with passwords and I, I'm i unsure how I'll even get back in myself again but look mm-hmm. you know as in it's, it's safe now because to be honest you don't think you're going to be subjected to a hacker you don't think like that daily you know um, yeah of course so it is out there and if this guy was left there you know he'd have caused damage to many more accounts you know Listen, Charlene, thanks so much for coming back on the show and hopefully uh, by this time next week you'll have uh, reached your 14,000 followers and more. <laughs> yeah. Come here, 10K will do me. I'm happy. Um, I'm not greedy, but I'm so grateful. So the biggest thank you to every single one of you that has supported me because, you know, I, I don't think I've ever um, cried <laughs> so much since last week. Oh, you know, it's just, it's just so emotional. Like, I'm so grateful. I really am. So thank you. 
no bother at all. Listen, thank you so much. And for anybody who wants to give Charlene's page a follow, again, it's box underscore of kindness. Corks 96 FM this morning, just in relation to uh, the chat I had with Charlene from Box of Kindness, uh, somebody got in touch with us there on 0833 96 96 96 to say I had never heard of Box of Kindness, but in a way she has some blessings because me and so many others have now learned about one of Cork's best gift offerings and isn't that sure. Um, Now, we are going to be, as I said, speaking to a man who did have a vaccination for COVID-19. He was waiting for his second one and unfortunately he contracted the virus and he is currently in CUH. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 On Cork's 96FM. Welcome back. Fiona Corcoran in for PJ Coogan today and for the next two weeks. Now, as I said there before the break, um, I was I will be speaking to Billy Galvin. He's a man from Cork who had received his COVID-19 vaccination. He was awaiting the second one and unfortunately he contracted COVID-19. And he joins me now on the line. Billy, good morning. Morning. Good morning, Fiona. How are you? I'm very well, and how are you? Well, I tell you, I'm 100% better now at this stage. Mm-hmm. The fantastic staff outside there at the CUH. Um, I, I came in here and I thought I'd be going over here in the box, but I'm much better now and I can nearly breathe again. I'm still on oxygen. Right. But um, I'm, I'm learning to walk around again and... I, I, you know, things are much, much better, and my future is looking very well. Billy, take me back to when you first got sick. Um, like, what, what kind of symptoms did you have? What happened? Well, I, I suppose I'd go back as far as the the fourth or the fifth of July. Um, I remember I was after uh, being in contact with my daughter. Mm. My daughter was at a party with her kids and another. Of hers, and um, like at that stage, we 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 do nothing. But when the following day, after I meeting up with her, she rang me saying she wasn't feeling well and she was going for a test. She recommended that I go for one as well, you know. Yeah. So I booked a test on the the fifth, and I had a positive result on the sixth. So um, my symptoms were very bad. Like, just like if someone put a crown of thorns on my head. And I had a constant headache there; it just wouldn't go away. But was it wasn't a very strong headache, which was a mild headache and very annoying. And I was getting temperatures; they were fluctuating from twenty nine point five down to twenty four point five. And next thing, I started getting very bad pains around my back, my shoulders, my legs, and stabbing pains out from my eyes. Um. So at that stage, I kind of, um, you know, they tell you to just self-isolate at home and mm. do your own thing and keep to yourself. But um, there came to a point where I, I I just couldn't stand up. The minute I stood up, that was my energy levels burnt out straight away. And that caused me to start coughing then at that stage. And when I coughed, then I couldn't breathe. So I just kind of huddled up in a ball for about half an hour trying to get my oxygen levels back. So after trying it about four or five days by myself, I rang my GP. Mm. She was very good. She told me to come straight down and she'd meet me outside the back of her her surgery and she done tests on me and um, she 
told me it was to go straight into CUH. And were you worried at that point when you were told to go into CUH? I was very worried. I couldn't. I couldn't breathe. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was it was a stage for me that if I didn't go somewhere, you know, I I, I knew one, at one stage the way that we, when you cough with this, you just cannot breathe. There was no oxygen in, in, in your lungs. Your lungs are just full of it. Bad, bad stuff. Said you were afraid it's bad. Nobody wants it. Mm. It's um, but the, the minute I got in here, um, they, they started me off on different stages of oxygen, um, different levels. My oxygen levels when I came in here was eighty percent, and the normal person's oxygen level should be up around ninety six. Okay. So they had to rebuild my oxygen back up to the 96. So I, I'm in here now nearly seven days. And um, you know, I think they have me on demand. Things are much, much better. Um, it's, it's, I, I can get up and walk around a bit. And hmm. you have to carry an oxygen tank next to me. You know, I, I'm hooked up to one on the bed all the time. But when I want to move around, I have to carry another one with me. So I can just go somewhere and... But, you know, at least I can walk now and I'm getting my levels back. Yeah. And do you know how long more you'll be in hospital for? Were they able to tell you that? Um, well, you see, it, Monday now was... The doctors would be around again today. They already have interns around for the weekend. So I'd say it's quite possible I could be out by Wednesday or Thursday, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Which is great. Which is brilliant. Just fantastic. Fantastic mm-hmm. out there, yeah. And uh, you wanted to thank all of the staff at CUH have, who have helped you to get to this oh, stage. I tell you, the staff here are so unreal. From the receptionists that you meet today, the way in, the porters, the, 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 the nurses, the doctors, the healthcare workers. I mean, there's nobody here that can do enough for you. Mm. No matter what you want. I mean, geez, my kids drop me in. I hide the old traditional... Batter sausages and mushy peas and chips that night from, <laughs> D, from Dino's up the road there. And the staff would just tell them the minute they would drop it, ring them, and they'll run straight down so they can be sure that they'd bring it up to me when it was hot, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's a good sign when I can eat one <laughs> like that, you know? <laughs> You're definitely on the mend when you get the battered sausage and the chips into you. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, it was a really good, you know, I'm telling you, people, people out there that are. Non-maskers and non-believers, mm. take me, take my word for it. If you know, if you don't cop on, I mean, it's 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 it, it's real, and you don't want to be where I was. Yeah, you just don't want to be there because you know it's 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 either you look after yourself or you're going underground one or the other. You know. And you did get um, one of your vaccines. You were waiting the second one, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got. Believe it or not, I got my first vaccine on the 11th of May, right? Hmm. I was 60 on the 12th of May. That was my 16th birthday. Right. And the next call I got for the next vaccination was the 14th of July. Oh, God. I actually got that call when I was actually in the hospital there. Hmm. I mean, that's a long time for the over 60s. I mean... The over 60s are more vulnerable than the 50s and the 40s. And mm. even my, my own son and my own kids were vaccinated before me, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose there's a lesson to be learned for, for people in this, Billy, in that, like, you know, even if you have had your vaccine, you still need to take your, you, you know, you still need to, to 
stick to the to the guidelines and wear oh, your yeah. mask. And, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Vaccine, only just there. I mean, is I heard your healthcare worker talking mm. about that um, you could be vaccinated all the way, and you know, it's it's just a guideline really that you can still get it. You know, actually, in the bubble where I picked up this um, COVID. There were seven people in total got COVID right. in my family. It was my do- my daughter and her partner and her two children. Yeah. And my other daughter, but her partner was after being vaccinated, so he was okay. Hmm. But but he had to take away her little baby. So only after having the baby three months old, and he had to take the baby out of the house. Right. You know, so it was quite sad for her as well, especially when the baby being so young. You know. Yeah, yeah. But as I said, seven people in the one house to get us within a few days, you know. It's, it's, and if this new strain comes in, it's supposed to be more, um, oh, so um, you know, you pick it up faster, it's, it's, it spreads faster. But, um, okay. you know, people, as I said, even if you have your audio vaccines, it doesn't matter. Just be extra careful, get out there, do, you know. I, I, I wouldn't even eat indoors at all to all be honest with you. I'd rather be outdoors just if you want to yeah. be safe or for yourself instead of, you know. Okay, Billy, listen, thank you so much and best of luck with everything and good luck with the recovery and hopefully you do get out of hospital on Thursday. That was Billy Galvin who was talking to me from inside CUH after contracting COVID-19. Coming up next, I'll be speaking to a fitness instructor about exercising in the heat. We were mentioning there earlier about the gorgeous weather we're having and the heat and whatever, but if you are a Keep Fit fanatic and you want to exercise in the heat, um, I don't think I'm one of those people, but there are plenty of you out there who do um, so obviously when you're exercising in the heat there are some guidelines that you need to follow to make sure that you stay safe and well and joining me on the line now is Tony Martin of Jim's Fitness. Good morning Tony Good morning, how are you? I'm very well Tony, exercising in the heat um, it's obviously you know like um, there are risks around heat exhaustion and heat stroke and all that but just what, what do people need to be aware of? Normally, if you're a seasoned runner, you'd have a good handle on this. Mm. Now, what happens when people exercise in heat, their body produces a lot of heat from actually exercising itself. And then if the temperature outside is is hot, you produce more heat than your body can get rid of because the ambient temperature is keeping your uh, body core temperature elevated. Mm. And as a result of that, then you, you do run the risk of overheating, one. And two, if you do cope with the heat and sweat a lot, you could dehydrate, which in turn then leads to complications if you're not used to it or if you don't know what the process involves or if you haven't met that type of thing in your regular exercise or if you're new to exercise, it's something that you really got to be conscious of. So what do people need to do then? Uh, Like what kind of tips have you got for people? Well, first of all, don't start any type of vigorous um, exercise in in this weather. You know, get an idea of what you want to do and, and start very, very slowly. Um, acclimatize yourself to the heat, um, dehydrating, sweating, see what happens and, and and make sure that your salt intake, which is what you predominantly lose and you sweat, which causes all the issues, make sure that you've got a, a rehydration process when you finish exercise and during exercise, make sure that you sip plenty of water and stay hydrated. And for anybody who is uh, particularly running outside, is there any advice for, for people, even people who are seasoned runners? Like, is there things that they should remember? 
Yeah, well, uh, uh, well uh, first of all, what you'll notice when you go out next day vigorously is that you sweat quite a lot. Now, what happens, um, the reasons why we sweat is that as the water evaporates from the body, the actual process of evaporating sweat causes a, a loss of temperature from the surface that the water evaporates from. Mm. So it's a, a physiological reaction that our bodies have in very, very hot environments where we start sweating so that we can dissipate the heat and the body cools down. Now, with and accompanying sweating is a loss of salts, body salts. And with that shift in body salts, you're going to get um, a dilution of the uh, essential components of blood, which, you know, equilibrate our blood pressure, which would be sodium chloride and magnesium. Now, when these start dropping down a small little bit, physiological function becomes impaired and it can lead to issues if you have any underlying health conditions. It can lead to various things like, you know, heat stroke, stroke itself, or mm. even mild heart attacks or tachycardia. So you really need to be um, very, very kind of aware of this and, and, and don't go starting an exercise program without taking all these factors into consideration. And are there certain times of the day... Oh, we seem to have lost Tony there. Maybe Fergal will be able to get him back. Um, good advice there from Tony. If And I was just going to ask him there as well, if you are going to be running, maybe avoid the hottest time of the day between 11am and 3pm. And he was saying as well to wear light, breathable clothing. I suppose one of the um, dangers of exercising in this heat is that you can uh, get dehydrated and overheated, which can lead to muscle cramps, excessive sweating, headaches, nausea, tiredness and dizziness so um, is Fergal is, is Tony back on the line there I think he is is yeah, he yes um, hi Tony sorry yeah, we lost yeah, you there yeah. what happened there yeah um, and Tony um, I think I incorrectly said you were from Jim's Fitness it's Ketomine is that right Ketomine <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's lots of things it's Tony Martin Performance that's uh, my site Tony Martin Performance okay okay fantastic yeah. and Tony I was just saying there that some of the um, issues and some of the problems that people can um, experience if they are exercising in this heat be like muscle cramp, excessive sweating, headaches. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, anything that can go wrong physiologically when when we start changing the composition of our bodies, like they will result in, in a whole host of problems. No, no, you just it's not just exercising; it's any kind of vigorous activity in the heat, mm. which will raise our body temperatures, and we don't have the capacity then to reduce our body temperatures. Now we were talking about sweating there, and we got kind of cut off. Now yeah. the idea with sweating is that you sweat to get rid of salt, but when you get used to working out in the heat, you may not necessarily sweat as much because the body has a threshold for the amount of salt that will get rid of. So you could be exercising, and in those instances, if you exercise too vigorously, you may not sweat as much, so you may then build your body temperature up, and all of a sudden, you'd be distressed with a whole host of complications that accompany heat stroke. So in these instances, it's quite important that you cool down, that you can liberally apply water to yourself in lieu of sweat. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're evaporating water from your skin surfaces, you're still going to dissipate heat because the body still has to heat, uh, get rid of the water that's on your skin. So it's kind of an artificial sweat situation. So things like ice packs on the back of your neck, things which will reduce your body temperature, things maybe if you're going for a jog, have maybe a cool swim lined up at the end of it, um, jog near open water so that you can cool down and, and, and pop in and out of the water and get your body temperature down. It's it's important to think of cooling your body temperature. If you're going for a shower or something afterwards, start off with a lukewarm shower and then cool your body down and make sure that that basal temperature in your body that you've elevated with the exercise and the ambient temperature, that you bring it down. So have a structure in place if you're going out for these things. Time it, stick to the time. If you're feeling any dizziness or unpleasantness, 
stop. Make sure that you're well hydrated before you go out. Don't kind of get up in the morning after a night on the beer and say, oh, I'm Superman, I'm going to go out for my jog. <laughs> and all of a sudden you've got compounded dehydration on yeah. top of dehydration. And people are just kind of keeling over and saying, he was very fit, that guy. He was running marathons every day. <laughs> so, like, it, no matter what your relative state of fitness, like, it, it don't um, give the two fingers to Mother Nature and think that yeah. you're Superman. You, you need to be thinking about these things all the time because... You know, you don't get too many chances to revive yourself from, you know, these stress-induced situations, even if it's, say, a mild dizziness, and you're fit in all other terms, and you keel over and you smash your head off the ground. And Tony, really what about, to um, thinking about these things. What about the myth that it's dangerous to drink ice-cold water when overheated? Is that true? And there are certain truths to all these myths, but, you know, unless there's something wrong with you, I mean, it's okay to drink and do most things. But, I mean, again, you're talking about a man who's been in the desert and sweating his brains out. I mean, you know, these extremes and any extremes that you come across and, you know, mythologize and come up with this. I heard this guy and he was able to drink two quarts of gin and he's able to run the marathon. You know, you get outliers the whole time. But common sense should prevail with everybody. First of all, I don't think anybody is going to, you know, start a big campaign of fitness in the middle of this heat. Yeah, You know, if you do, you, you know, you really need to clatter across the head. You need to be able to look at the situation, look at what you're trying to get out of what you do. If you want to be Superman and say, I'm going to do all this extreme stuff to my, my myself, you know, think about what you've got to do. Think about the, you know, the complications of what can go wrong and, and, and put things in place, you know, mitigate for disasters before they actually happen. So be a little bit um, commonsensical about it. Uh, and 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 just don't go out. There's nothing to gain in it unless you want to train for, you mm. know, doing ultramarathons inside the sauna or ultramarathons across the Sahara Desert. You know, if your yeah. body needs to condition itself for these situations, then you go ahead and you do it with a plan in mind. If if, if not, just go to the beach and you know have mm. a nice cooling swim or something. And I, I was actually thinking of taking up running again just to, to lose the holiday bulge, but I don't think I will now. I think I'll just sit back well, you, you could go and running, drinking. but you could run across the beach, you know, run yeah. in the water. But like you know, you, you, you be sensible about it. It's all about regulating your heat and you know not not putting yourself into a situation where you're going to be compromised. And and you are, you know, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take a whole lot. So, like, be sensible about it. You know, brilliant, Tony. Okay, yeah, listen, yeah, Tony. Yeah. Thanks so much for taking our call this morning. The lines are live, and we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Good morning, welcome back. This is Fiona Corcoran sitting in for PJ Coogan. And with everyone engaging in the good weather and enjoying the good weather that we are having, this is just a quick reminder of Cork Ni- Cork's 96 FM's exclusive online station, the Back Garden Festival, is back. We're streaming the biggest hits from your favourite festival stars with Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialist in sound this summer. Listen on our app or go to 96fm.ie. Now, moving on to the next item here on our show this morning. It's emerged that a capacity issue in the National Cervical Check Screening Service has led to the samples of 180 women going out of date. And these women are due to be contacted this week with the, and their GPs as well to arrange to have them all retested. Joining me on the line is David Cullinan, the Sinn Féin Opposition Health Spokesperson. David, good morning. Good morning, Fiona. What's your reaction to this news this morning, David? 
Obviously, it's it's something that shouldn't have happened, Fiona. Uh, essentially, 180 women who uh, gave a sample under the cervical check screening services, uh, yes, will be informed over the next number of days and their GPs that they will need to be retested as their samples essentially went out of date or expired. And just to give the context here, in, in March in 2020, as a consequence of the review into the previous scandals in, in cervical check and the overhaul of the old system, the HPV screening system was added to the overall service. Mm. And that meant that the sample would be tested for HPV virus. And if the HPV virus was found in the sample, then it would be referred on to, for a cytology test. And there's a very short window of 42 days because the sample can degrade very, very quickly. So if the cytology exam doesn't happen within the 42 days, then the woman has to go back and get uh, and give a sample again. And that's what it seems happened here. So obviously that's problematic, but also we, we need to be very careful that we're not in any way alarmist because mm. the presence of HPV in the samples itself does not mean that any of the women have cancer. And we need to be very, very clear about that because I know that those 180 women, when they are contacted, will be concerned and will be worried. It's a very, very low risk. There's a very, very low number of of cases that are problematic. This is just part of the filtering system and and the the examination system. But obviously it is a concern that this happened, Mm. given all of the other scandals that we've had in cervical check, and we will need to get a full uh, review from from the HSE and cervical check as to why this happened. And we're being told it's capacity problems in the lab itself. So the 180 women who get a phone call this week, like your advice to them now is to just not panic because obviously if you, when you go for a cervical check and you get a call back about anything at all that doesn't say like that you're you're completely clear, you do have that element of concern and element of worry and then hearing this news this morning um, and as you say, we've had scandals involving cervical screening in the past and you know, it will, like I think a natural reaction by women is to be concerned but you're saying to them, there's no need to panic at this stage. Absolutely, and and we have to be responsible in relation to the advice that we give because my understanding is the risk is very, very low. Mm. And what happens here is that there will be cases where HPV will be detected in, in many of these samples, but it doesn't become a problem and the women don't get cancer in the vast, vast majority of cases. So while the risk is low, obviously women are going to be concerned, which is why they should be properly supported by the HSE factual information has to be presented here uh, by the cervical check service itself and by the HSE and obviously the women have to be supported by their uh, GPs and and what's interesting about this as well is that this was detected on foot of a site visit to the lab in Santry. So this was a lab in in Santry where uh, these samples were not sent on for a cytology examination and it would seem that as part of the auditing system and the review system that this lab has to produce uh, monthly reports which are then examined. And it's always the case that there's a a tiny number of samples that expire for various reasons, even though it shouldn't happen, but it's tiny. Mm. And what happened is when they were looking at the uh, the audits or or the the results of the examination for the months of April and May, they found there was an increase that was a concern which led them to do a site visit, which led to these 180 cases that they are now writing to the the women in relation to. But it's 180 out of 200,000 examinations that were carried out. And again, to to give context here, the reason for that is because during COVID last year, uh, most screening services were essentially shut down 
100,000 screenings did not take place under cervical check. That now has to be caught up on. There's probably huge pressure in the labs to do all of this. And I'm not saying that's an excuse because we had called for additional capacity to be put in. Mm. But it's a small number out of the overall number of samples that were taken. And again, to say to any woman uh, who may be listening, who may have received a letter or who may receive a letter in your own area, it does not mean that you have cancer. There should be no panic or no alarm and you should get seek support from your GP and hopefully the HSE will give the supports that they need as well. You said there that you um, think a review should be carried out into this. Who do you think should be carrying out that review? Well, cervical check themselves, obviously. So we need to find out exactly what the capacity problems are. From what I've heard from cervical check this morning, and there was a representative on, on Morning Ireland, mm. they seem to be saying this was down to infection control measures because of COVID. If that's the case, then we need to be using more labs and we need to be making sure that when they're taking samples, that they actually have enough time then to actually uh, review those samples and then send them on for the cytology examinations. Because even though the risk is low, as you pointed out, if you're one of those 180 women that gets a letter, you are going to be concerned. Mm. Uh, and it would be easy for me to say not to be concerned, but they, they will be concerned. And it simply shouldn't be happening. We've been here before with cervical check, obviously. that We don't want to be hearing stories like this where... Uh, these samples have expired because they simply weren't sent on for an examination because of capacity issues. It's not good enough. Uh, And I say that knowing that the risk is low uh, and not in any way being alarmist. It it is a small number, but it is a problem and and it shouldn't be happening. And, you know, we need to make sure that the uh, auditing systems that are in place are robust and consistent. And and to be fair, it it would seem that the auditing system has picked this up and has worked and, and and that's to the credit of those who are involved in the auditing of, of, of the samples because they have detected these 180 cases which may not have been detected or found out if that audit or site visit had not taken place. Uh, and, and now, obviously, it has to turn to giving supports to those women involved, but also making sure that if there's capacity problems, it needs to be addressed and it doesn't happen again. David, thank you very much for joining us on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FN this morning to bring us up to speed on that story. And if you are one of the 180 women who do get a call, I suppose the message there from David and from Cervical Check is to not panic and your retest will happen um, as soon as possible. Now, uh, next up, I'm joined on the line by uh, Virginia Foley, a lady from Fair Hill who set up um, a website called Up She Rises and it's trying to help women overcome the challenges of a lack of of confidence and a lack of self-belief. Virginia, good morning. Good morning, Fiona. How are you doing? I'm very well. I'm very well. Virginia, why did you decide to set up Up She Rises and what exactly is it? Okay, so it's a community for, it's like a female empowerment community, community really. It's about women in business and in my experience, I was finding that I was working with other small businesses, but there would seem to be a gap between, you know, I was helping them, I suppose, training helping them with their marketing and their brand stories. Mm. But I kept spotting the same scenario where it's almost like women in particular, like they were in business. It's like they get to the stage, but they're not stepping into the center of the stage, you know. So it's not just about confidence. Like we do educational events around marketing and programs and we use our social media platform. So there is a bit of self-belief that has to happen first. You know, they go hand in hand in order Mm. for the business to go really well and to work, they need to believe in themselves first. And a lot of the times I found myself at marketing events and networking events and women still weren't, they were afraid to even speak to each other. So I wanted to make sure that we 
broke down those invisible barriers a bit and help people get past. They don't even realise it, what's stopping them themselves, you know. So mm. that's basically how it began. And the whole concept was each one teach one. So it's the idea that we don't all know everything. And I guess we only know what we know, but like we have a duty to help other women too. So like, you know, though it's a bit of a cliche and women are rising, there is a genuine intention behind it that people involved in my community they really try to help each other move forward and try to help each other to grow professionally and personally, you know. Virginia, why do you think so many women suffer from this lack of self-confidence? And um, I suppose um, a word that has uh, come up time and time again is imposter syndrome. And why do you think it's mainly women who suffer from this? Well, I think it's actually a misunderstanding. We don't have a lack of confidence. That's only kind of the symptom. What we Mm. have is a lack of knowledge. It's the when you learn the science behind confidence, we're actually just mismanaging our thoughts. And I think right. for women, what's happening is our own happiness is becoming low down the list of priori- priorities, you know, with not just mothers, but like we're kind of nurturing everybody else. And sometimes we're at the speed of, I always say, we're kind of stuck in the busyness instead of stuck in the business. So mm. we're getting dragged forward without getting a chance to breathe and stop and figure out what those limiting beliefs are because it's actually all in the subconscious. So that's the whole idea behind once we can break those things down and help people understand that better, it's their management of their thoughts actually and that's where we grow the self-belief and that's where we change, we can actually change the outcome and confidence is the byproduct, it's the aftermath when you get the self-belief in place, you know. And I think actually it's not just women in business, I know nearly in the thoughts that we should be teaching children this, my own children included. Mm, yeah. You know, we need to show them, not just tell them. And that's my own personal, I suppose, motivation behind it all as well, you know. Yeah, it's um, it's a really interesting one. Like I've been speaking to a lot of women lately who um, kind of say that, you know, that they have put themselves forward and um, they have gone for the promotion or they have gone ahead and set up a business idea. Um, and they feel great about it then when they do. But they, w- they were saying in the past things were holding them back maybe from doing it. And uh, are you seeing a bit of an increase in that? Are you seeing more and more women? Are you seeing a change in, in the pattern that more women are putting themselves forward for things? They are in the sense that like social media has nearly forced people to get on camera. So a lot of things that I'd be working with women in particular is about mm. you know getting on camera, talking comfortably about your business and giving yourself the space to do that. But I do think like, yes, COVID has made us reassess how we spend our time. But I go back to the phrase about like, we're kind of shooting our pants a bit, like we're what we should be doing and we should be the perfect mother and we should be doing this. But really, it's about what exactly do we need to do? Go back and what exactly? I suppose it's alignment of what they're happy doing Mm. and what can they do and going out and telling people that. I think we're also a little bit maybe brainwashed, you know, with this whole concept of self-care and look, you know, the wellness industry obviously has exploded, but there's a step missing and that's just that being content in your own skin where we think if we go out and we, you know, have treatments and maybe have tan on and and look, I'm all for that, don't get me wrong. (laughs) But there's a step missing that like to be comfortable in your own skin first is the most important thing and to kind of take control of what's happening in your head. That's where the most results are possible, you know. Um, But I do think people are making steps towards it. But unfortunately, I, I don't think they have enough info. And that's exactly why I'm creating, you know, live events as well, please God, when we go back to, you know, some type of normality. But like, Mm. that's where I kind of got so, 
excited and motivated to tell other people because when I applied the things that I've learned and simple tools and techniques and I realised I thought I was actually quite confident yeah. and the more I delved into it I realised it's, it's nearly within roles not just people who own businesses but like there's people working in organisations who have this kind of sense of confidence in the role and they fit themselves into the role but their own deep sense of confidence is lacking and I found that with CEOs of top companies and I found mm-hmm. it with people who have actually, you know, people who are almost on that influencer level of 100,000 followers online. Mm. When you kind of scratch through the surface, there is this deep kind of sense of something is lacking or missing for them and they feel nearly like under pressure, like another under under all of that, there's a bit of overwhelm and pressure that they're trying to have to keep up this front when in fact, if they understood it a bit more, so that's what I want to do. I want to really break it down and make it into a snackable size that people can actually take these tools and change things for the better. It doesn't mean they have to, you know, go out and build amazing brands. Great if they do, but yeah. even on a daily a daily level, they can actually apply these things to just make themselves happier, you know? And Virginia, um, I suppose I, uh, we got a text message there from Kate um, to 083 396 and she said, um, "If you don't work outside of the home, it's like if, sorry, if you it's like if you don't work outside of the home that you are not working. This viewpoint needs to change. Do you think that's a big thing for women as well? That you know that their their belief in themselves um, that that if they're not working outside of the home that they're not working at all but like some mothers are work are just stay at home moms but they're working twice as hard absolutely. as anybody else do you know absolutely and it comes down to the self-worth piece like we mm. we are actually absorbing what's happening in society without even realizing it where we we're thinking oh well you know it's my I'm just at home they're always kind of putting themselves down that they have a lesser role yeah. when in fact like we have an opportunity now to change the future and correct all of these things in terms of how we're valued. And like, I I nearly think, especially like I've worked my whole business actually around my family in terms of, you know, a model that will work that will allow me to be with them in the afternoons, but the summers are still an issue. So I'd love to see it move towards some type of national way, like a program that there's some way of, in summers even, having some type of programs that we could put our kids into. Like, I don't want anyone else to raise my kids. I'm not looking for a way out to mind my own children. But I just think we have got the balance wrong. And unfortunately, females are mopping up, you know, that emotional management at home. We're basically, like, trying to do it all. And then people think we're not working at all because we're not actually technically going into a place of work, you know. Our work has stretched far beyond the hours of working hours so I definitely think there needs to be change but without realising it women have absorbed that sense of like that lack of worth that self-worth you know and it's a huge thing and Virginia finally you do have a book coming out you have written a book about all of this I have like again I feel that people need these tools so I've been working on a book called Lost and Founded and it's basically yes it's about me and my story but it's more to shine a light on the things that I've overcome to help other people to do exactly that. So it's a bit reflective. It's it's more of a self-belief Bible is what I've been calling it, but giving people the tools in a tangible way that they can apply them themselves, you know, to overcome things. It doesn't matter how big or small those things are. Brilliant. Virginia, thanks so much for getting us, or for talking to me this morning. Can we just talk? 
Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Fiona Corcoran in for PJ Coogan today on the Opinion Line on 96FM. Now, despite people being told to stay apart over the last year and a half, a national outbreak of syphilis has been declared in Ireland with 9% of the cases recorded here in Cork. And joining me now is Olivia, Olivia Tehan from the Sexual Health Centre in Cork. Good morning, Olivia. Hi, Fiona. How are you? I am very well. I'm very well. Olivia, Good. are you seeing an increase in syphilis cases at the centre? So we are seeing that in Cork, as you said, there's about 9% of the cases in the country um, are in Cork and Kerry. Um, and that would be early infectious syphilis. So mm-hmm. it has been increasing um, fairly steadily since about 2013, actually. Um, and then there would have been a bit of a dip during the first period of restrictions last year. Um, and now we're seeing that it is uh, the, the case they're rising again. And it seems that that will continue for 2021. Yeah. And so obviously, like we have been told to stay apart, but um, that's not really happening, is it? <laughs> well, I mean, as I said, the cases have been rising anyway before okay. uh, last year. So it's just that we have seen that it is continuing to rise. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I mean, it's good that we are actually able to have those cases notified and be able to make people aware that, yeah, if they are meeting up, it needs to be safer sex than okay. maybe people are having um, yeah. and we would just be really urging people to make sure that you have your condoms or whatever you need and you can get onto us at the Sexual Health Centre for those for free if needs be. And for people who don't know, like what exactly is syphilis and what are the symptoms? What do people need to be looking out for? So it's a bacterial sexual, sexually transmitted infection and um, someone might get, uh, if someone is after transmitting um, syphilis, they might get a an ulcer around the genital area and that might come up maybe the first 10 days after uh, transmission or up to three months after. And then after that ulcer, um, you might be getting swollen glands maybe or uh, a rash um, around the palms of your hands or the soles of your feet or somewhere else. And I suppose it's um, probably important to note there that a lot of people won't notice that they have those because the ulcer that you might get is often painless. The rash that you might get after that often won't be itchy at all. So people just might know that they have it and I suppose that could be also contributing to the increase that we are seeing is that people don't know that it's there. So, And if left untreated, uh, what are the risks associated with it? So it would take a while to get to that point. It could take a, a good number of years, but it could cause serious health problems for people and it is so easily treatable in the early stages that that's why we're really urging people to get in touch with us if you have any concerns um, because later down the line, it could lead to um, serious problems with um, a number of organs that could be um, neurological or um, a number of other issues. So do get in touch with us, please. Um, If anyone has any concerns, we can refer you on to a clinic in your area, wherever you are. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewellery of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweller since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. And has the lockdown, has, has your centre been available to people dur- during the lockdowns? Is that having an impact on, on the case numbers? Well, we have been, yeah. We've been um, able to provide services throughout the pandemic. Now, our um, SCI clinic at the moment is under reconstruction, but we are referring people on to um, the SCI clinics in Cork and also further afield if anyone's looking for information in their own area. And Olivia, is there any cohort in particular that this is affecting more or is it just right across the board? Yeah, so it would historically in Ireland anyway have been um, reported in males and um, a good majority of that as well would have been gained by sexual men and other men who have sex with men. But we are actually seeing an increase in heterosexual transmission and also among women. So, uh, for example, now in 2018 there would have been about four four and a half percent would have been in women and that has jumped to 9% in 2021. So it is kind of on the rise in other cohorts too, so it's important to keep that in mind too. And um, I know we were talking there a while ago about um, safe sex and particularly now um, during the the pandemic, but um, are you seeing a lot of people now engaging in one night stands um, throughout the pandemic? I mean, you know, is is there, or did you see a decrease in, in that kind of activity? Well, I suppose it is difficult to know still because, and I mean, that's actually very relevant with the STI cases because um, there has been less services available and there has been less engagement to an extent for a lot of people. So it is still difficult to know and it's it's hard to know the patterns um, at the moment. You know, we really don't know the extent of the impact of, of the pandemic yet mm. um, in, sexual, in people's sexual health. So we are really just trying to reach out to people as much as we can and make sure that they know that we're there because it is still difficult to know um, kind of how it's affecting people. With all of the messages that we have nowadays of safe sex, um, are you surprised that there are still a lot of people who, who don't practice it? And are, are there other issues um, at play here? Is it like drug intake, alcohol intake and people's senses go out the window? Well, I suppose... The first part of it probably is that a lot of the time maybe people just aren't given that information. Mm-hmm. Um, if people aren't aware that it's and um, that there are certain risks to be aware of, of course they're not going to be taking um, the extra precautions and also just access to services. Like we really have made, we do continue to make a huge effort at the sexual health centre to try and get to people where they are in a space that's comfortable to them, and we are providing the free condom service. And um, by post, um, because some people just aren't, they don't, they're not able to access the services if it's uh, an issue of cost or location or whatever it is. So um, that's something that we're really trying to overcome at the Sexual Health Centre. And it's really important that people know that there are services there for them, I suppose. Um, and I, I was reading there uh, last week about an online testing service that's been extended to certain parts of the country. Are you guys yes. um, involved in that? 
So that is being run by the HSE. Uh, okay. It's not directly by ourselves, but you can get information from us, of course. If you want to give us a ring, we can tell you how to access it. Um, and it's a very accessible service um, and it's going to be available for the next number of weeks. So do get get involved in that if, if for anyone who's who's looking. Um, it's available in Cork and Kerry as well for the next number of weeks. And so people can just do the testing at home. Is that the way it works then? That's it, yeah. yeah. And are people still kind of... Um, yeah, I, well, how would I phrase this? Like, if if they're going into your centre, are they kind of a yeah. bit self-conscious about going in, or? Well, you know, it's different. It's a different experience for everyone, I suppose. Mm. And we make every effort to be um, very welcoming at the centre. Um, it's a very professional and friendly team. So, it but it can be very intimidating for people to go into those services if they're not used to it. And a lot of people just um, maybe don't have that that comfort level and that's totally fair enough you know that's um, a lot of people's experience I suppose around the country mm. um, of maybe having a bit of discomfort in accessing those services and um, we really do try to combat that and people can give us a ring in advance if they want if they prefer to kind of check in and have a chat with us um, we're, we're always on the line so And is it just syphilis that you're seeing an increase in or are there other STIs as well? Well, as I said, it is actually difficult at the moment to know just because um, the with the services being down, and I mean, that's actually syphilis is a good example of that last year where there was that dip mm. in the first couple of months of 2020, and now we're seeing um, that it is continuing to rise now. So it's, it's, I suppose, yet to be seen really the extent uh, of the impact of the pandemic on other STIs. So, Olivia, finally, just your message to the public to try and keep people safe. My message would be, get in touch with us if you have any concerns please just be aware that this is something that is um, starting to impact other cohorts um, more than it would have before and um, just give us a ring if you if you have any questions and we'll let you know where to go or what needs to be done. Brilliant. Olivia Tihan from the Sexual Health Centre here in Cork. Thank you very much for bringing us up to date on that. That was Omi with Cheerleader on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM on this Monday morning. Now, just in relation to some comments that have been coming in here on 1850-715-996 or 083-396-9696. With regards to the um, chat that I had earlier um, about exercising and the heat, uh, Johnny Doyle has been in touch to say, Fiona, I did hear you shouldn't wolf down cold water in one go. Need to sup it slowly. So we did put that comment to Tony. We asked him, was it a myth that if you have overheated, can you drink ice cold water? He said that um, you could, but as, as Johnny was saying there, maybe not all in just one go, just maybe uh, sip it. Um, uh, in relation to dogs, a caller got in touch. Fiona, please remind people to not walk their dogs in this heat. Their paws can't take the heat on the ground. Thank you very much for that. Um, with regards to travel rules today, um, a lot of the restrictions around international travel have been uh, lifted. Paul got in touch via WhatsApp on um, 0833969696 to say, forget the EU. The only place to head for your summer holidays is England. Everything open, no masks needed, no social distancing, pubs, clubs open, etc. Happy days. Um, and another caller got in touch to say, I'm wondering if you might be able to help me. I'm trying to get through to the dedicated number about my COVID vaccine certificate, which I haven't received. Had my second vaccine in June, which was referred from the hospital, but the number isn't even ringing or registering the call. It's 1-800-851-504. Would you know anything about this or how to find out how to get it? I think it's a letter I'll receive. I'm due to go on holiday next week and can't travel without it. Thanks in advance. Um, 
Now that is the correct number I believe and uh, from Ireland's perspective you do not need the actual digital COVID certificate to travel if you have other ways to prove you're fully vaccinated that's also accepted you need to check the rules of each country so check with the embassy of the country you're travelling to whether alternative proof example example, a card from vaccination centre will suffice so I hope that helps um, just for people wanted to know um, the, the number for queries on the vac cert it's one eight. 800-851-504 that number again is 1-800-851-504 keep your comments and calls coming into us can we just talk the opinion line with PJ Coogan call us now 1850-715-996 on Quartz 96 FM welcome back now COVID-19 has brought about many changes in the workplace but how much of your life is your boss entitled to know well Cleana Kenny is an employment lawyer for Common Kelleher Tobin Solicitors and she joins me on the line now good morning Cleana Good morning, Fiona. Cleano, there's been so many changes in the workplace and a lot of people don't know what they can and can't do or what can and can't be asked of them. Uh, so we just kind of wanted to clear up a few things this morning. Um, just in relation to going on holiday, it is holiday season. As we said there a while ago, the international travel restrictions have been lifted so people will be boarding planes over the next couple of weeks and going to certain places. Um, and for those people who have chosen not to go abroad this year, they're going to be travelling all over Ireland. Um, but we're hearing here on the Opinion Line on 96FM that a lot of people um, have found that their bosses are now asking them where they're going on holiday and they feel a little bit uncomfortable about telling them. Like, uh, what's the rights there of, of people? Like, are, are, are your, Is your boss entitled to know where you're going on holiday? Um, and uh, unfortunately, the answer is it depends. I mean, if the employer and the employee are very much, say, a patient or public facing job mm-hmm. um, and they've carried out a risk assessment and they've devised their COVID policy in line with the working safely protocol issued by the Department of Trade, Enterprise and Employment. And if that is a matter that they believe is relevant and necessary, then technically they potentially could. For most people... If you follow public health guidance, then there may be no need for your employer to ask. Mm. But your employer does expect you to be following public health guidance and you are obliged to follow the law of the land as such. So like that, I was interested to hear the text message you read out just before the break that somebody said, oh, go to the UK for your holidays where everything's open. It's great. Yeah, you can do that and you can legally do that. And But when you come home, you have to quarantine. Mm. if you're not vaccinated. And people are forgetting this. If you go to the UK and you are not vaccinated, you must have your PCR test to come back into Ireland and then you have to quarantine for 14 days. And you can shorten that if you take a negative PCR test five days after you come back. But that may mean that you're not available to your employer for those five days or 14 days. So you do have to tell your employer you're not available for work. And what would happen um, then if you refused to, to tell your employer where you were going? Well, sorry, you may, you, it very well is in most circumstances you are not obliged to tell your employer where you're going. Mm. Um, and if you're working from home, what difference to yeah. the employer? But if you refuse to tell your employer and the employer learns subsequently that you have come into the office, say, mm. day one after returning from an outside EU country and they learn that you have been in a country outside the EU and you have not adhered to the public health guidance, then you potentially could be facing a disciplinary action. Right, okay. And so from an employer's point of view then as well, um, 
I suppose like if you have if you are sending out an email to staff they need to kind of really make that clear to people absolutely and that is I mean we're beating this drum employment lawyers all over the country and the department in fairness the department of trade enterprise employment and the government has been beating this drum since last year you must have a COVID policy you must have a written policy as to how you're going to deal with these things Mm. and for many of us that returned to the office at some point after having working from home for a period we had to fill in a return to work form so potentially Mm. employers may have a policy that you have to fill in a return to work form after your annual leave and so it it depends on the policy but the employers need to absolutely reiterate to their employees let you know constantly remind them this is our COVID policy you are obliged to follow this policy you are obliged to notify us of x y and z Um, and and the policy needs to be updated in line with new public health guidance and what about vaccinations Um, what's the laws around that within the workplace are people uh, can can bosses enforce people force people to get a, a vaccination no, absolutely not. There is no mandatory vaccination in Ireland, right. um, and and that is that is just that that's the starting point. There is no mandatory vaccination in Ireland, so it is very much a choice. At the moment, um, employers are obliged to follow public health guidance. So, for the moment, workplaces are still governed by remote working, if possible, two meter distance, masks, hand washing, sanitizer, ventilation. So from that point of view, from public health, whether you're vaccinated or not, those things are still in place. Those things have to be still in place in in a workplace, Mm. vaccination or no vaccination, because those are all measures to reduce the risk of contracting COVID-19 within the workplace. Um, So at the moment, that's the public health guidance. As more and more people get vaccinated, we may start coming into a position where employers may turn around and say, we have done a risk assessment and these five jobs that these five people are doing are patient-facing or public-facing or high-risk for whatever reason Mm. because it's worked closely together. So we are saying that following a risk assessment, those five people really should be vaccinated. And if you aren't vaccinated, you probably can't do those five roles. So therefore, if you won't get vaccination, we are going to have to move you. Okay. That very well might happen. It hasn't, it's beginning to, it's potentially happening within, say, um, health environments and Mm. patient facing environments and and very legitimately happening there where people are being moved or relocated due to potential risks. But it's based on a risk assessment Um, and it's ever changing. We may get to a stage where the public health guidance is okay, vaccinated employees can now be inside within one metre of each other without a mask. And that does mean then your non-vaccinated employees are going to have to be either accommodated elsewhere or can you accommodate them? That's it, it, We really don't know where that's going yet. And what happens if you feel your boss is favouring employees who are vaccinated? Yeah, and that, that could be, it depends on, you very well might have an equality issue there. Mm. So, I mean, we talk about people who won't get vaccinated, but there are also people who can't get vaccinated. And there are people for very legitimate medical reasons may not be in a position to take up vaccination. Mm. And if we discriminate against those people, you, you, the employer could find themselves on the sharp end of an equality claim fairly quickly. Um, and the rule with those type of quality issues is always, can you make reasonable accommodation? So say somebody won't or can't, can't get vaccinated. Mm. Well, 
do they need to be within a metre of somebody? Do they need to be in an enclosed space with no ventilation with somebody else? Or can you accommodate them in a room on their own, at home? Um, you know, can you do all meetings with that person virtually? You know, all of those things. So you just have to look at the risk, what risk it poses, and try and reduce the risk as much as you can. And whatever about people refusing to get vaccinated, or maybe, as you said, they can't, uh, for medical reasons, get vaccinated, but what about people who refuse to wear a mask? Um, What's the situation with regards to that? Can the boss refuse to allow them into the workplace? Yes, I mean, potentially, yes. Um, you know, as I said, the public health guidance is still there. And mm. we are, you know, we are obliged, employers are obliged to make sure the public health guidance is followed. Employees have an onus to know the public health guidance and follow it. So it's the same for wearing a mask as, you know, if you decide to go abroad, you have to follow the rules which are laid down by the public health authorities here in Ireland. And that is that you must wear a mask inside. Um, and you must not be within two metres of somebody and you must hand wash and you must sanitise and the ventilation has to be there. So if an employee refuses to wear a mask and they are with, you know, and it is posing a difficulty for other employees, the employer has to look after all their employees and it is a risk and it is against their policy um, and potentially can be disciplined for it. What if you and find yourself in a situation where a colleague is refusing to wear a mask and your boss isn't doing anything about it? I think you have to make a formal complaint to your boss and if there's no sign of anything happening I think you have to go further and either decide to remove yourself from that situation um, having put your employer on notice of it um, and asking them to do something and if they fail to do something I think that certainly is a matter then for the Health and Safety Authority potentially um, or potentially some of the other employment law matters and for a lawyer um, it, you know these gu- the guidance has to be followed or mm-hmm. else it doesn't work it has to be followed by everybody or it just doesn't work and we cannot have people you know picking and choosing what they're going to follow now there may be again you could have somebody who can't wear a mask again mm. for medical reasons and that again is an equality issue so if somebody comes to an employer and says I can't wear a mask I actually can't and here's my letter from my doctor and here's the explanation as to why I can't well then the employer has to take measures to make it safe for the other employees so put them in a room on their own or let them work from home or whatever it happens to be to, to, to make it safe for everyone else or as safe as it can be. If anybody does have any questions regarding any of this, is there anywhere they can find information? Yep. There's a huge amount of information on the Department of Trade, Enterprise and Employment um, website and the Health Safety Authority as well. They have a lot of checklists for employers, employees, how to work safely, how to return to the workplace safely and the guidance that still is live in Ireland at the moment. What's going to get interesting is as we proceed into the autumn and more and more people are vaccinated, the public health guidance may begin to change and that's where things could actually get much stickier for people in respect of vaccinations or in respect of the various safety protocols that are there and returning to the to the workplace. But, I mean, everyone should be reminded, currently at the moment, the guidance is still is, if you can work remotely, you should still should be doing that as much as possible. Brilliant, Cleena. Listen, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us this morning. That was Cleena Kelly from um, the employment law firm Common Kelleher Tobin Solicitors. A lot of very useful information there for both employers and employees. 
Picture this unconditional on this morning's opinion line on 96FM. Fiona Corcoran in for PJ Coogan. And if you want to get in touch with us about anything on the show today, the numbers are phone 1850-715-996, text or WhatsApp 0833-969696. Or you can email at opinion at 96FM.ie. Back. Cork's 96FM. You'll instantly love the exciting new arrivals at Harry Curry. View in store at Turner's Cross Retail. Park or online at harrycurry.com. Harry Curry, see what's in store. Can we just talk? The opinion line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Courts 96 FM. Good morning, welcome back to the opinion line on 96FM this morning. Francis has been on touch to say, hi 96FM, there is a free phone number, 1-800-700-700. I rang about my search, you will be waiting, but you will get an answer. So that number again is 1-800-700-700, and that came in from Francis. Thanks very much. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850 715 996. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The opinion line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96fm. Welcome back to the last hour of the opinion line on this Monday morning. Fiona Corcoran in for PJ Coogan today and for the next two weeks. Now, are you someone who experiences anxiety, especially now with all the changes brought about by COVID-19. My next guest might be able to help. She's from West uh, West Cork and her name is Claire Marie Barton. Good morning, Claire. Hi, Fiona. How are you? <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us, Claire. Um, Claire, tell me a little bit about sound healing. Okay, so sound healing is this kind of ancient thing that um, we've always had and it, over the last few hundred years kind of got lost a bit and now it's being rediscovered again. So you'd have like, um, you know, the, the gong would have come from Asia um, and that's getting really, really popular now again. And I suppose the difference between kind of sound healing as opposed to music type healing is that um, it's more pure sounds. So, like, we all know if we listen, you know, if we're feeling down or just at a breakup or something and we want to listen to all the sad songs and it just kind of helps us a bit and it, it changed. Or if you want to feel happy, you might listen to some dance tunes. So we know that kind of music can affect our mood mm. and and really, you know, I suppose we all have our favorite go tos for that. But then with sound healing, it's using kind of pure sounds. So it's like if you think like a tuning fork and we do use tuning forks in sound healing as as well. But um, it's it's that actual pure note. So we're looking at kind of frequency and it resonates in the body. And it's all about um, it's about intention and it's, it's about getting into different parts of the body kind of very gently. But it, it causes a resonance there because our bodies are made up of like 70 percent water. And our cells resonate with the sounds, so it's a it's a very kind of experiential thing. And are there Don't particular you? sounds that bring out particular emotions in people? Then, yeah, it can do. I mean, we work with the with the chakras, which are kind of like the energy systems in the body, and 
it's um, there's different tones we can use for that, but a lot of it is very intuitive. So it depends on the person, and it would be like tuning into that person, and the sounds that are needed will 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 come. And a lot of people will actually fall asleep. It's very <laughs> relaxing. Like say the gong, the gong um, slows down the brain waves of the, so that you go into this kind of delta um, brain waves. So it's like almost we in natural life when we're just falling asleep we're in that state but usually we only stay there for like i don't know 10 or 15 seconds and then we we go right properly asleep whereas with the um with the gong it slows down these brain waves so you get this effect like when you're actually awake mm. um so it has a very it's it's very good for immune systems it really really just calms us right down and like I've seen this time and time again when I've been working with clients, um, like one special needs client that I work with, and he's very, um, he finds it really hard to settle. So for most of my sessions, I'd have people lying down comfortably, but I mean, he can hardly sit down because he just has to walk around the room. And after about 10 minutes of the gong, he just starts to calm and he just naturally goes and sits down. And a couple of times he's actually, you know, his eyes are closing towards mm. the end of the session. And we, you know, at the end of the session, normally, um, or during the session, he speaks as well. He kind of, he, he speaks a lot. And at the end, we've had some beautiful sessions where like for five whole minutes after the session, myself and him and his carers, we've all just sat in the room, sitting quietly, saying nothing for five minutes and they're like oh my god he never does this <laughs> so it, you know it just has this beautiful effect but you don't have to um you know it's not going through your it's not going through your mind you don't decide yeah. that you're going to be calm or whatever it's just this kind of nice side effect and that's why sometimes like people will fall asleep but even when they're asleep this healing kind of sounds are going through them and it's a bit like um if you think of an orchestra when they're tuning up their instruments um, our, our, our bodies go you know with all the things that happen to us in our lives we kind of go out of tune for a better word mm. we're kind of out of tune with ourselves or you know something's a little bit off and when we do these pure tones it's like bringing our bodies back into tune again um, in a very kind of gentle in a gentle natural way and Claire, I, um, I was reading on your Instagram um, about sound baths. Just what is that? How is that different from sound healing? Or is it all the same? Or just explain to me a little bit about what a sound bath is. Okay, so a sound bath is usually for a group of people. Right. So, um, but it, it is sound healing. So you, and some people think that there's baths involved, but there isn't. It's just <laughs> you're bathing, you're bathing in the sound. Right. So it would be, you know, I do them, well, pre-pandemic, I was doing I was doing them here in West Cork and sometimes in Cork as well um, for, for groups of people. Um, and now I'm doing them online and I'm there. I'm also um, doing them for private groups, like up to four people. So it'd be like small family groups or friends. And it's a lovely way to reconnect mm. um, because you're coming together and it's safe and it's, you know, um, but the the idea of it is is yeah that there's a series like it would be for it goes on for about an hour and a half, and we have all these different sounds. So I'll be working with the chakras sometimes. With I use my singing bowls, and then there's partly gong, and then I've chimes. I've loads of different instruments and the tuning forks. 
So they all kind of do slightly different things. And occasionally as well, I'll read a poem, maybe from my book or, you know, just sing a song or it's all kind of weaves in. So you're kind of going on this journey through sound. Mm. Um, And then I pick some um, angel cards as well. They're kind of, um, they're they're oracle cards. So they just, they can just throw a different light on things because what I'm doing a lot is to try and get people out of their heads. Right. You know, because I think that's what's, what's wrong with us a lot of the time is we're in our heads and we're not connected to ourselves. And having this time, whether it's like with a little group or whether you're on your own, working on your own issues, um, it's it's very deep that you get this connection. Because I think sometimes like we, we're kind of afraid we're not good people or that there's all this stuff and we're like, oh, geez, I can't go there. Mm. But actually we're all actually okay. Do you know, we're all doing our best and sometimes we just get caught up in whatever's going on and this is just time to just kind of just take a breath and stop. It's very still and it takes you out of your head and then you don't feel as triggered. So it's not like it's going to change whatever situation is in your life necessarily, but it can give you a different perspective. And I think that's what we need sometimes. And the angel cards then are just a very gentle way of giving that different perspective because it's not something I'm saying, oh, you should do this or you yourself thinking, oh, what should I do or blah, blah, blah. It just brings a different kind of um, possibility and you can take it at any level that you want, you know. And are you I mean, seeing an increase, Claire, in the amount of people who are contacting you for something like this, particularly with the pandemic? I mean, you're talking there about people being in their head, but we've all been in this little bubble. And now yeah. as people are kind of, you know, going back out into society, I know a lot of people are quite anxious about that. Are you seeing a lot of an increase in interest from people in something like this, in alternative kind of healing practices? Yeah, I think so, because I think the pandemic, like we've all, be, we've all been affected to, to varying levels but I think globally, everyone's been affected because it's it's been there, you know, even if you're kind of really pretending it's not happening, whatever, yeah. it, it, you know, it's we've all been affected. Um, and I think it has heightened if, if there are, is anxieties or if there's, you know, I suppose we've heard, heard, heard of a lot of people breaking up with people as well because they're in close confinement. But really, it's because it's it's focused anything that hasn't been working in your life. It's just kind of blown up in your face. So it's been very, very intense for a lot of people. And then people have had losses or bereavements and they haven't been able to have the same the same rituals um, that would be comforting and healing. You know, so there's, there's a lot of collective grief and fear and anxiety. Mm. So something like sound healing. Oh, we've lost Claire there. Um, Maybe Fergal can get us back. I just wanted to ask her about the courses that she's doing and how people can find um, Claire. She has a lovely soothing voice. It's, it's lovely actually listening to her. Um, while we're waiting to see if Fergal can get us back there with Claire, I'll just uh, read out the uh, Cork's 96 FM Best of Cork Awards are back and we want you to nominate places and services that are the best in Cork. 
And the list of categories are, we've got best hairdresser, best beauty salon, best bar, best barber, best breakfast, best coffee, best takeaway, best local tradesperson, best gym, best restaurant, best workplace, best hotel and best burger. Now go to 96fm.ie right now and nominate your favourite. The best of Cork awards with localheroes.ie. Find trusted local plumbers, electricians, locksmiths and more with a 12-month guarantee backed by Board Gosh Energy on Cork's 96FM. And have we Claire back? We do. Hi Claire. Hi, sorry, I don't know what happened there. I was off dreaming there with your lovely soothing voice and the next thing was just bong. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Claire, just in relation to, I know you're you're doing courses and you're doing workshops um, and if anybody is interested in the practice of sound healing or sound baths, how can they get in touch with you? Well, I have a website, so that's www.clairemariebarton.com and on that you'll find details of all the different offerings I have. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I also have like some videos on YouTube as well, so that's Claire Marie Barton Connecting Through Sound. Um, so you can listen to some, there's, there's a few different ones and I created a playlist as well for the pandemic, so you know, just there's a couple of ones there where you can just listen to and it just does one that's kind of seven minute reset so you know sometimes we don't have like time to do something big but just even taking that five minutes or something just to breathe and just to just to come back into ourselves and um, can be really helpful brilliant Claire listen um, thanks so much and best of luck with it all going forward oh, okay super <laughs> thanks, thanks for joining us on this Monday morning on the opinion line on Cork's 96 FM coming up next we'll be speaking to a Cork actress who has joined the call of the midwife crew can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. Welcome back. Now, my next guest is um, Megan Cusack. She's from Skibbereen and she's an actress from Cork, uh, from Skibbereen, obviously, and she landed a part on the hit BBC show called The Midwife. And she joins me now on the line. Good morning, Megan. Good morning, how are you doing? I'm very well, I'm very well. Thanks for taking our call this morning. Now, you play the character of Nancy. Can you just tell me a little bit about who Nancy is? Well, Nancy, she's young, she's about 22, um, and she's she was an orphan from a young age, and she sort of grew up in the churches and convents um, back home in Cork. Uh, and then, you know, she makes her way over to continue training as a midwife mm. um, in Poplar. Um, she's definitely erratic. She's not great with her studies, but she's she's got a lot of spirit there. You know, she really yeah. tries her best. It just sometimes doesn't work out the best for her. Um, so I mean, I think she's hilarious. Um, <laughs> constantly putting her foot in it. Um, but then also as well, you then learn later in the series that she she had a baby when she was sixteen. Okay. Um, she got sent over to to stay in London. Um. So you kind of find out that there's a bit more to her than just bright clothing um, and strong eyeliner. Um. <laughs> and Nancy wasn't supposed to be originally from Cork, was she? No, I think originally it was. She was meant to be from Dublin, right? Um, and then they, uh, I kind of did the tape um, in my own accent. Um, and they were like, oh, well, no, we quite like that. I think we'll keep her. <laughs> keep, keep her from there. I was like, that's really great for me. You know, that's one less stress, yeah. one less thing to worry about. <laughs> and Megan, how did you manage to land the part? Because it's such a massive show, isn't it? 
Yeah, I know, which I occasionally, I, I try not to think about so much because it is a little daunting every now and then when people go, and yeah, it's like 8 million people tune on a Sunday. And I go, really? Yeah, no, that's really exciting. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like me on so, the show here. I don't want to think about who's listening. <laughs> I know, you just kind of ignore it. You're like, no, I just go and I film and then nothing really happens with yeah, it. You know, yeah, I just yeah. go, we have the crack and then and then it disappears, right? That's how it works. Um, but... Yeah, so I got um I got a tape through on the on the Friday, so Celtic, obviously, you know, with COVID and everything, there's no really going into rooms, so it's all it's all you sat in your bedroom uh, recording it on a phone, mm. um, which is interesting when you have to do a birthing scene, um, <laughs> just you know looking at your flatmate directly in the eye. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, poor flatmate. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, yeah, they're an actor as well, though, though, okay, so they yeah. understand. Yeah, <laughs> slightly less intimidating. Um, but yeah, so did the did, um, got the uh, sides through and um, kind of the, the the scenes they wanted me to do through on the Friday. Um, it had to be in for the Monday. It was like a really quick turnaround. Mm. Uh, filmed it on the Sunday, sent it off, and then I got the call on the Wednesday. Um, so it was like all a little bit of a whirlwind. And then the next week I was in for like hair and makeup tests and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was just, all happened. <laughs> and were you ever in any other TV shows before or was it like from zero to, <laughs> to hero? Um, three days after I graduated, um, I did a day on Doctors hmm. um, where I played an overzealous drama student. Um, so, you know, it, it wasn't that hard, uh, you know, you know, typecasting at its finest. <laughs> but yeah. So other than that, and that, that'd be, that was, you know, um, 2018. Mm. Um, so it'd been a while since I'd done anything yeah. <laughs> in front of a camera like that. Mm. Um, but luckily everyone was so gorgeous. You know, you think the show's been running 10 years now. Mm. Um, uh, and, the, the, you know, it, it, it is a big show. So you worry, you go in, it's going to be a well-oiled machine. Um, are you going to get kind of lost, <laughs> lost in it? I yeah. don't know what you're doing. But everyone's so warm, so welcoming. You know, they really take their, their time, especially because I was new. Um, you know, I never felt like they were rushing me or anything like that. So they were they were really kind. Um and really kind of took me under their wing. And were you supposed to be only in it for a couple of episodes or did you know you'd be coming back for season 11? I think I think there was always the possibility for the future. Mm. Um, but, you know, it was always up in the air. I wasn't, I didn't know. Um, obviously, I was hoping. I was hoping. I was like, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be too shabby. Um, but yeah, so I think they, they felt like the character, the way the storylines were going kind of suited. And, and I think they decided that they wanted to continue on her story and see where she went, um, luckily for me. Mm. So I was delighted. And you said you love playing the character of Nancy. What is it that you love most about it? And uh, was there anything that you found difficult about playing the character? Um, definitely find any medical terms incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, just trying to wrap your mouth around some of them is, I mean, stressful. Um, but no, I love, like, she is just a bit mad. but I, And I think it's so nice... Um, you know, when you watch someone on screen that's not always getting everything right. Yeah. You know, you go, oh yeah, that's <laughs> that's nice. That's like me. Um, <laughs> I don't get things right all the time. So I think that's one of my favourite things. Is I think she's just quite, you know, she's quite relatable and she's yeah. a bit of a laugh. And so um, there, th- there are things in the character then that you see in yourself. Oh, 100%. No, mm. when I read the breakdown to my father, 
he burst out laughing because it was this whole thing of like, yeah, no, not great, not great at school, not great with his study, <laughs> terrible with routine. And I was like, yeah, no, okay, I see, I see where we're going with this. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I love him. And um, I suppose uh, with the um, the Christmas special, I know like it's a bit mad talking about Christmas and we're in July, but it's one of the most anticipated shows of the year is the Call the Midwife Christmas special. And um, so has it started filming or do you think that far ahead with the show? Oh, Christmas episode is the first thing that gets filmed. So we were filming, you say it's mad talking about it now. Imagine how mad it is filming it in like April when it's sunny <laughs> and everyone's there like oh it's so cold yeah. I better put on this massive jacket and stand outside in the roaring heat for oh, three hours yeah. Um, so, but, so yeah so, so that's already done and dusted so you know that's, that's happened and it will it'll be fab um, I think it's the one that no God, can you imagine can you imagine don't lure me into that I'll be getting a call two minutes later going Megan I'm sorry that's it for you now uh, you're done <laughs> We've written you out of the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you were on that Cork ninety six FM with that Fiona, and she's she's done this to you. <laughs> she led you down a dark path. <laughs> yeah. And so, Megan, um, are you living over in London then at the minute, or? Yeah. So I'm. Yeah. So we're filming at the moment. So I'm. I'm still living over here. Mm. Um, I kind of Crystal Palace area. It's lovely, okay. and I mean it's gorgeous at the moment. The sun is seriously beaming down today. And. So. Um, what about the the Freedom Day, the lifting of restrictions over there? What's the kind of vibe like over there? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's interesting. I think it's it's one of those things, you know, people seem really excited for it, but then I think there's a major anxiety that goes along with that. Mm. Um, you know, it's just a funny thing. It's see, you know, so I was walking through the park yesterday and, you know, seeing that many people kind of together it's something you haven't seen in so long that it makes mm. you feel a bit funny yeah. um and as much as we want to like move on and and get through this um and you know it's seeing light at the end of the tunnel and all of that it's, it's still you know it's still happening and it's still there and uh, um yeah it's, i think it's just an odd one you want to you want to get through it but also you want to make sure that everyone's still kept safe you know people are still yeah. um needing to get vaccines or whatever um uh, and I'll, I'm I, like I'll continue to wear my mask on the tube because I've realised that <laughs> yeah. even beforehand I should have because people are gross. <laughs> you don't, don't realise how many people are coughing and spluttering until you've been made aware of it, and you go, "Oh my goodness, we're just sitting the, sat in these bubbles of stale air together." <laughs> <laughs> I know it's terrible when you say it like that, isn't it? <laughs> when you don't realise it, you're like, oh yeah, just on the tube, and then you're like, oh, how how many people have passed through? What about I? Am I sick? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit gross. All right, um, Megan. <laughs> uh, Katie from um, our studio was telling me there she's a massive fan, and um, she was just wondering, um, was there anything? Uh, is, is acting something that you always wanted to do? I know you were saying there about um, you know not being good in school or whatever. Did you always have your your mind set on being an actor? Yeah, I think I think I did. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, obviously, kind of growing up around um, the family and stuff, it was always something that was kind of there. Um, and I, I don't even remember the moment that I decided, but I've always just, uh, ever since I was small, I, that was something mm. that I that I thought I wanted to do. I mean, not having that much knowledge of what went into it. I mean, I remember when I eventually did get to drama school, 
I was like, oh, what's going on? Yeah. I don't, <laughs> you know, I thought we'd go in and we'd work on scripts and then suddenly, you know, I'm, I'm on all fours pretending to be a sheep to work my breathing. Um, and I was like, ah, oh, this is not what I expected. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. And what, finally, what advice would you give to anyone who does have a dream of becoming an actor? Oh, God, that was such a big question. Oh. Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm still figuring it out myself. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, find some pieces, uh, you know, monologues that you really enjoy. Um, try and get to the theatre as much as you can. Yeah. Um, uh, goodness gracious. And then if it is the route you want to go down to, look into things like drama school or, you know... Um, over here there's the National Youth Theatre and stuff yeah. like that. I think it's getting, as my dad always says, the best thing is to, to get practice. You yeah. know, and that's what's so great about this is that I'm doing it every day and working on it. Because yeah. um, it, is, it is a muscle, they say. You know, it's something that you have to work at all the time. Um, yeah. You know, so maybe that, maybe Brilliant. that's the advice I give. <laughs> <laughs> well, Megan, listen, thanks so much and best of luck with it all. And uh, we'll be looking forward to seeing you in that Christmas special now. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me it's been lovely <laughs> it has it has lovely talking to you I really enjoyed that thanks a million Megan Cusack um, and she is Nancy in the call my midwife or call them midwife sorry <laughs> Now, um, we've had some comments in 2-083-396-9696 and uh, we were talking earlier to Charlene about her um, Act of Kindness website being hacked and somebody got in touch to say, will you please say hi and a big thank you to David in Aldi shop in Charleville who took time out of his lunch break yesterday to help search for an item in the shop. Just wanted to say I appreciated David's help and his kindness during his lunch break and thank you. Um, I'm glad that we could uh, call that out for you caller um, you know I, I think like we hear so much it was when we were talking to Charlene there and she was saying about the people of Cork helping her get back on her feet and people like that who helped um, David out uh, or you know who was helping out in, in Aldi and Charleville we hear so many of those stories and they're lovely to hear and it just goes to show the kindness of people here in Cork so keep it up people that's great to hear uh, now we you may have heard in the news earlier and we've kind of mentioned it here on the show as well this morning about E travel uh, restrictions being lifted from today and joining me on the line now is Pat Dawson the CEO of the Irish Travel Agents Association. Good morning Pat. Good morning Fiona. Pat uh, where are we now today with the EU travel restrictions? So they're lifted so what do people need to know when they're travelling? Well first of all they need the the digital certificate and that's very very important which uh, people who are vaccinated um, uh, will have have received uh, in the post or by email as such, mm-hmm. and uh, that's that that's their, their second passport to travel, so to speak. And uh, after that, then it's uh, it's 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 uh, they're good they're good to go, and uh, just make sure all their, their other documentation are in order, particularly passports uh, that are uh, proper dates and stuff like that, because we have seen people who haven't looked at the passport in 18 months and they discovered that it's uh, out of date, and that's very, very important. We did have a caller earlier, Pat, who was wondering about the COVID vaccine certificate. She said that um, she hasn't received, she had her second job in June. Um, she hasn't received her certificate yet. She's been trying to uh, get through on the 1-800-851-504 number and she can't get through. She's due to go on holiday next week. Um, like, What kind of advice would you give to somebody like that? I mean, she can't travel if she doesn't have it, can she? 
Well, she can. If she, you know, she, the, the the little piece of, of cardboard or whatever you want to call it hmm. that you get after your second vaccination, that is that is recognised uh, by authorities uh, within Europe. Okay. And that is, that is good to go. So she can use that. But uh, I know it's difficult to get through to those lines, Fiona, and we've had that. We have, we've had complaints about that in the last number of days as such. Mm. So from that point of view, but have a double check everything because I don't tend to be a health expert as such, but yeah. I know for a fact that people are going in and out uh, on, on those uh, confirmation of the two vaccines on, on what they get at their centre or from their, their doctor. And please make sure, particularly from a point of view of if you had it with your doctor, that the, the name is correct. Like it's, it's John Nolan rather than Sean Nolan if you get my meaning right. and that's that's happening a little bit as well um, and also the app uh, EU uh, Open is a very 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 good app where you just stick the country in where you're going to and they uh, that tells you exactly what you need and what you don't need so it's like everything else treble check uh, when you're going away because you have that extra pay- paperwork to bring with you Mm. And with regards to quarantining now, is there no quarantining from any EU country? No, there's no quarantine whatsoever. And and I've just noticed this morning, uh, British people now uh, are are having problems in the sense of the French and the the Spanish may go amber as such, and they they use the traffic lights. And Mm. we had those a year ago, whatever, and they were a disaster. And there's still a disaster. But Irish people within the EU, we don't have that issue once you have your valid certificate. Brilliant. And um, the um, so so if people are travelling now, um, they they just you were mentioning there about their name. So does the name have to be the exact same as what it is in the passport? Then yes. So like it, if you yes. have had your vaccine, you might go as you said by the name of Sean or whatever. So just make sure that all of that is in in check. Yeah, very very it's very very important that that's correct because it has happened before uh, back in the day when the two names do not match up. And from a linguistic point of view, it's very important that that they, they do match, and that and and just check uh, before you head to the airport. Take that extra five or ten minutes. Go over it again uh, just to make sure, because the last thing we want now is people, you know, waiting to go abroad and then to have a technical problem with paperwork. Yeah, yeah. Um, people don't really need that headache. And Pat, are you? Do, have you noticed an increase in people who are travelling? Do you think that there will be a lot of people travelling over the next few weeks? It has been, uh, yes, it has certainly increased but with the numbers uh, that we would normally have in, in July. Mm. It's back about 70 or 80% of the normal numbers as such. Mm. And, and Cork Airport, uh, I know they're putting on extra capacity and extra flights and, and uh, new routes and everything mm. else like that, which is good. But certainly the capacity, uh, you know, is way down on 2019. And what we're going to see is that it, it's going to take, you know, at least 12 months, if not 24 months, to build up, to get the airlines back in, to get the capacity back in mm. to our airports and, and particularly Cork so that that the, the 50 different destinations that they had uh, will ramp up. At the moment they have 20 which is great and that unfortunately they're, they're closing for uh, the runway to, to a new runway which can't mm. be helped as such which is which is a sort of a, 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 you know it doesn't help the situation but that can't yeah. There's nothing we can do about that. It has to be done, but but they'll 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 re-go again in in November for Christmas, and then. 20, uh, 2022, uh, they'll have full capacity or as near as uh, we hope. 
And Pat, um, as our COVID pass is an EU search, will it be recognised in the UK? Somebody wants to know. I, I'm sure it will, but look, at I, I, I don't want to put my, my hand up and say mm-hmm. I'm an expert on that as such. Uh, at the moment, uh, I mean, it's only within the EU, but I'm sure I'm sure it will be, but please check that as such. And one thing we're waiting on, Fiona, is that the, uh, the states to open up, and I noticed from um, uh, President Biden that he, he, he announced at the weekend that mm-hmm. he'll be looking at, at recognising our certificate, and uh, hopefully the states will, will open for us to go there uh, within the next couple of weeks and that would be great. Okay and just with the EU sir do we still need to get the PCR tests then as well or the antigen testing like what? No you don't need once once you have your your certificate you don't need any testing going inbound or outbound once you have once you have that certificate and uh, you know that 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 covers if if you have had the test if you've had COVID or if you're fully vaccinated uh, and I, as I say, uh, government.ie uh, is a very, very good service as well. But please check all the, all the ins and outs of that. But uh, with the certificate, you're good to go. Brilliant. OK. So I suppose finally, Pat, just for people who are travelling to anywhere in the EU, including the UK now over the next few weeks, um, they really need to have that COVID, um, the EU cert. And that's kind of really it, is it? That's... <laughs> Well, yeah, that's that's really within the EU now. The, the, in, back to Britain, that will change, and and there will be regulations coming inbound from Britain, yeah. uh, testing coming in from Britain because Britain at the moment, as you know, is uh, I know it's opening up, but the, the COVID situation is not great, and and certainly the, the rules are differently what they apply within the EU or what you, they apply uh, in, in the UK, and they are different. Okay, and just I know you mentioned the states there, but what about other international travel? Um, what's the situation with regards to um, other play, other countries around the world? Well, every other country there's there's different regulations, and as I say, you need to check those out on the different apps that will give you full information and whether they recognise our certificate or not, uh, the DCC. So from that point of view. Uh, check with each each country uh, one by one and make sure that the details you get from are 100%. Okay, brilliant. Pat Dawson from the Irish Travel Agents. Thank you very much for joining us on the line there this morning. Just in relation to the conversation that I had earlier on with Claire Marie Barton about sound healing, um, she's just been in touch with us to say thanks a million for having me on the show. I just realised I forgot to say about my online sound bath coming up this Friday night between 7 and 8.30pm. So if anybody is interested in, um, in in participating in this in the online sound bath, um, the tickets can be booked through Claire's website. It's clairemariebarton.com forward slash bookings forward slash and reply available for anyone who can't make it live. Um, thank you very much for that, Claire. Um, we, you may or may not have heard about a visitor that we had coming up the River Lee at the weekend and joining me on the line now is Padraig Cooley, um, Sightings Officer of the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group. Good morning, Padraig. Good morning. Okay, so just tell me a little bit about this visitor that we had um, in the city centre over the weekend. 
Yeah, well, I, I've seen, just seen the same videos that, uh, that, that, that you guys have seen and you sent on. And, well, it, it's a short-beaked common dolphin. The common dolphins are kind of a, our most usual dolphin species that are recorded uh, along the, uh, the county Cork coast and along the entire Irish south coast, if you like. Mm. So it, it, it's a case of it being a particularly common species in an unusual, uh, in an unusual spot, if you like. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it it is something that we've documented over the years. I mean, in the in the twenty two years or so I've been living in Cork, I've seen uh, harbour porpoises in the River Lee. I've seen common dolphins, rissos dolphins, bottlenose dolphins, and of course the largest member of the dolphin family is the killer whale. And many of your listeners will recall the, the famous pod of killer whales uh, that uh, John Spillane made famous in a song there. That was back in 2001 yeah. uh, where we had a family of killer whales that actually practically took up residence in the River Lee and the, the inner harbour area for about four months. So there is something about Cork Harbour uh, and the River Lee that from time to time just draws these animals in and it's very difficult to know exactly what it mm. is, in particular with common dolphins. Are they sightseeing? <laughs> well, well, yes, they're, um, yeah, they're probably not sightseeing. I mean, what generally um, sort of forces these animals into locations is um, is food. Mm-hmm. Uh, food is the big trigger for them. So, I mean, it, it, but what is always a little bit worrying is that, you know, these are these are gregarious animals. They're usually found in, in, in large groups or pods. Uh, I mean, I was talking to Skipper Colin Barnes there just the other day, and he, he was out whale watching from, from Reen Pier near Union Hall, mm-hmm. and he, he told me that he had uncountable numbers. And I, I said to him, well, just give us a, a, a rough guesstimate or how many of these common dolphins you thought you saw over the four hours. And he said, well, if he saw a hundred, he saw a thousand. You know, he just said as far as the eye could see for kilometre after kilometre were common dolphins. And other operators at a place like Cork, McSharry and Baltimore Mm -hmm. are are saying something very similar. There there are lots of common dolphins around, but it's the widest one individual has broken away uh, on his his Sweeney. uh, I mean, the good thing about it is that the River Lee, even up by the Opera House and in Cork City Centre, it is still tidal, so it is still mm. salt water. So you know, there, there's you know, as, as, assuming he's okay and he's in rude health, there is actually no reason why he shouldn't be able to get himself out of the river system. And that's assuming he's not already out of it, because I didn't see the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group never got any reports of him there uh, today or yesterday. So there is a reasonable chance that he he may well all already be out uh, and, and back among his uh, his kin. Hopefully he is. And Patrick, if anybody wants to learn more about dolphins, where can they go for information? Yeah, well, the, the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group website uh, is, is a fantastic resource. I mean, we've been monitoring whales and dolphins and porpoises and indeed bass and sharks uh, along the Cork uh, coast and indeed on an all-Ireland basis. So, And we have a fantastic new recording app, uh, which is free to download. Uh, so if people are fortunate enough, especially during all this fantastic weather, to be by the coast uh, and you happen to have a sighting, you can just simply uh, use your phone with or without mobile coverage or with or without internet, uh, use the recording app, the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group recording app to report either sightings or strandings. And of course, we are getting lots of sighting reports being reported and, and it's by dint of the fact that so many people are now migrating during this hot weather to the coast. So there's lots of sightings coming in. So it's a really uh, fantastic way for citizens, for listeners to your programme to become citizen scientists and to help us learn more about these animals by reporting your sightings to the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group on the 
on the new reporting app. Patrick Cooley from the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group, thank you very much for joining us on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM this morning. Now, before I head away for the day, just in relation to the travel vaccine, we have had a caller contact the show and they are saying that if you've gone to your GP, you're not getting your cert, especially if you've moved house and GP. I've rang my GP as I'm travelling tomorrow and my GP will not write me a letter. I've been vaccinated. She's refusing, as she said, she would have to write 1,200 other letters. I've offered to pay as if I've had a consultation with her so she will write it but she won't have it. I am going on my holiday tomorrow no matter what. It isn't fair that our GPs won't take the blame. It should have been organised that they would check for patients email or home address when getting a vaccine. I've rang every hotline number for the HSC um, since last Wednesday and no reply. This setup is one big mess. We might hear some more uh, views on that issue tomorrow when we come back. For now, uh, enjoy the rest of the day. The sun is shining. Thanks a million to the team here um, for working with me today on the Opinion Line on North. 96 FM. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.